Welcome, 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 box to box football. It's our Thursday show, two man crew tonight. Myself, Kyle, and joined by JJ. And uh, you know, we'll talk a little uh, European midweek action. Obviously, we had the the big match week five in in the Champions League, um, Europa League, and uh, Conference League games went off uh, went off today with with the fifth round of games there. Uh, Premier League week fourteen. We'll run down the matchups, and also we've got the second round of the FA Cup uh, that's coming up this weekend. But Let's start in the Champions League with this this round of games that was just completed. And we're going to go right from the top. We're going to start in Group A, where Manchester United, for the second Champions League uh, group game running, unable to hold a two-goal lead. This time had a two-goal lead twice in Istanbul against Galatasaray, get pegged back, uh, and end up in a 3-3 draw. Andre Onana, the goalkeeper, had another howler uh, that, that certainly didn't help. Um, and it's left United uh, bottom of that Group A and now needing to beat Bayern Munich at Old Trafford uh, in the final match day and needing a Copenhagen-Galatasaray draw in Denmark in order to get through. Um, and, and, J.J., this is a Manchester United team that was, uh, in many ways, the form team in the Premier League, having won five of its last six games domestically, but for the second straight time in the Champions League, unable to hold a two-goal lead. Form is a funny thing, Kyle, and, and hello, everybody listening. Always appreciate your guys' support here on Box Box Football. Form is always funny, um, doesn't always tell a complete tale because, yes, they've won five of six, but, boy, they've been ugly at times doing so. If you guys are looking for a big, impressive sound bite, I'm not showing it. I'm not going to be giving it to you saying <laughs> Some guy stinks or whatever. But here's the reality of the situation. Manchester United put themselves in this hole by not putting away similar circumstances in previous Champions League matches. Of course, the Copenhagen match very recently where they go up by two goals to none inside of 30 minutes. And arguably at that time, I thought their best 30-minute spell to begin a match over the course of the season. Same thing could be said against... uh, Galatasaray, and for those that were watching, first off, question of if the match was even going to happen because it absolutely trucked down with rain. For those that saw images, the uh, UEFA Youth League, which basically has all the under-19 teams playing against each other, Galatasaray and Man U's under-19 teams played through a swimming pool of a match. I thought it was actually water polo. So (laughs) then I was thinking, ooh, we might not be having this match today. Who would that actually play to the advantage of? Man U, credit to them. They stuck with a couple of brilliant goals to get that match going as Garnacho and Bruno Fernandes. I mean, my goodness, that ball was hit and it stayed hit. But Hakim Ziyech doing something to his old boss, believe it or not, because remember, he was part of the Ajax team under Ten Hag. Um, a couple of free kicks that Onana had absolute howlers with, unfortunately, for goalkeepers. If you make a mistake, it 99 times out of 100 ends up in the back of the net. Both did. You know, you know, uh, that, McTom- you know that. Oh, yeah. Um, McTominay got one back to make it 3-2, but then goal let in 20 minutes from time or so. As a neutral, it was a brilliant game. We actually had a number of brilliant end-to-end matches, and really either team could have had three points from this, but – I think it was a fair result. Now for Manchester United, they need a miracle to get into the knockout rounds. And they need a minor, but still a miracle to be playing European football in the 2024 first half calendar year. Because they're going to need Copenhagen Galatasaray to draw. And then United need to beat Munich in order for them to uh, be playing. 
I said, well, the good news is at least that that Byron game is going to be at Old Trafford. Uh, and United is certainly capable of conjuring up a performance, I think, to beat Bayern Munich at, at home. Uh, one of the questions into that match is be, what does the Bayern team look like having already clinched its its place as the top seed? What, How does Bayern uh, approach that game as well? I, look, knowing what you know about Bayern, no matter who it, it puts on the pitch, I think Bayern is out to win that game. I, I think they would love to knock Manchester United not only out of the Champions League, but potentially out of Europe. Uh, and then you're right, you need that sort of you need that draw between Copenhagen and Galatasaray uh, to also go your way. You know what was an interesting stat when I was when I was looking at this? Um, Manchester United, of the top 12 teams in the Premier League, has scored the fewest goals of any of those teams. They've only scored 16 goals this year in the Premier League. Now, they've conceded 16, so, so the goal differential is zero. But Newcastle, who they're going to play this weekend and is right behind them, has a, has a plus 17 goal differential. Now, again, sometimes that can get – you know, if you have a 5-0 or, or, or a 5-1 somewhere along the line, that can kind of blow that out of proportion. So it's not always, um, you, you know, the be-all and end-all. I just thought it was an interesting stat that Manchester United certainly um, has not been the most prolific offensive team domestically. Now, they have scored some goals in the Champions League, um, but certainly goals have, have been a little bit hard to come by uh, at home. I mean, at, at, at the Premier League. No, uh, it, it's a completely good point. I'm also just looking ahead and seeing what each of the other remaining teams in that group have in the buildup to it, because you talked about the Bayern Munich team. What could they look like? They actually have kind of an interesting little run in over the next couple of weeks where they play Union Berlin at home this weekend, um, away to Frankfurt the following weekend on a Saturday after then turn around on the Tuesday to play Man U before they host Stuttgart, who are actually right behind them in the Bundesliga standing. So, it will be fascinating, Kyle, to see what that team would be like on the opposite end for Copenhagen and Galatasaray, which is now basically a win-and-in scenario for those two teams who both, let's be completely honest, they've been brilliant in this Champions League. Remember, Copenhagen have to win multiple rounds to get into the Champions League. Galatasaray has to win one, so they've done their job well. And both teams kind of have a nice road leading in, not too demanding of league matches so yeah we will see that's it's going to be a fascinating one on the goal scoring side I mean it's just a microcosm Kyle of what Manchester United season has been from start to finish it's been better but incrementally better as opposed to the vast uh improvement that fans want yeah and one thing uh, last point on that sometimes those leagues in in Denmark and Turkey will help their teams by giving them the week off before a big Champions League game like that when they have an opportunity to advance. We know the Premier League won't do that uh, for Manchester United. Uh, I do like, I actually, I like Copenhagen in that game. I think Copenhagen's going to get out of this this group. Uh, I, I like them at home. Um, I did want to touch on Group B um, real quickly. Arsenal and PSV have actually both clinched their spots. Arsenal's won that group on 12 points. PSV on, on eight points. It's been a really good year. Uh, for PSV, unbeaten in the Dutch league, 13 and 0. That's Ernie Stort, by the way, the former U.S. And, international. Um, and, and, and who scored the winner for Eindhoven? Ricardo Pepe. We, we were El Train. El Train. What, what a finish! What a finish it was with the head. Uh, just a great, um, great build up too. Great cross in. I think it was um, uh, Veerman. I may have, I may have, I may have. I looked it up before. It was, I think it was Veerman who played the cross and they played a great one, two to each other. And Pepe was uh, a great header. No, it's a uh, Vertessen, 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 Vertessen. That's yeah. what it's Vertessen. Um, played it, played it. And you know what? I was watching that game. 
after Sevilla went down the, to 10 and, and PSV tied it. And I'm like, this is calling out for Ricardo Pepe. Like, they're, they're, they've got all of the ball. They're creating all of the chances. And, and he came on in the 80th minute. And I could right away, I said, oh, he smells a goal. He smells a goal. Um, and then he got it with a terrific header. Um, you know, re- really great to see. But, yeah, that's a PSV. That's Ernie Stort, the, the former U.S. international. He's a Dutch, uh, Dutch-American, um, you know, who, who has kind of rebuilt that that PS, PSV team. And they're unbeaten in the league, and they got through that Champions League group. Yeah, that they they're going to get through the Champions League group. Here's a team that might not get through that group is Sevilla because now that they're in a win and in scenario against Lons in the final group match. Who, by the way, Sevilla will be down two players, uh, Lucas Ocampos and Fernando, both got sent off in that match. So win or you know the traditional Europa League winners every season, they might not even be playing European football uh, after December. Group C, Real Madrid has won that group. Napoli and Braga are going to play each other in the final group game. Napoli is uh, seven points. Braga's on four. Braga's got to win that game, plus uh, do a little work on the goal differential. Um, and Union Berlin, obviously, it's been a tough year for, for, for Union. They uh, won their first two Bundesliga games and then proceeded to lose their next nine uh, before they finally got a draw. Uh, really difficult uh, year for them in, in first campaign in the uh, – in the Champions League. Group D, Real Sociedad and Inter Milan level on 11 points. They're going to play each other. Sociedad has got the tiebreaker right now, so Milan has got to win that game uh, in order to win the group. But again, both of those teams have already advanced out of Group D. Uh, In Group E, Atletico Madrid and Lazio have both qualified uh, for the knockout stages. Madrid is on, uh, Atletico is on 11 points. Lazio is on 10 points. And again, they will play each other in the final group game. So that will determine uh, the winner and who will be the seeded team. Now we get to group F or as our buddy, Mike Samson would like to call it group F. Borussia Dortmund has clinched a spot in the knockout round on 10 points, went to the San Siro and beat AC Milan uh, three to one. And then PSG is in second on seven points after a late, late Kylian Mbappe penalty Salvaged a 1-1 draw against Newcastle United with VAR involvement. Uh, I thought it was harsh on Newcastle, uh, but it sets up a a final match day in which PSG goes to Dortmund. Milan goes to Newcastle. Milan, in order to advance, has to beat Newcastle and then needs Dortmund to beat PSG. Uh, Newcastle obviously has got to beat Milan and then needs the, the tiebreakers to go its way uh, after the Dortmund PSG game. I mean, this group is basically coming to the conclusion of what everybody expected. Chaos, cynicism, amongst many other things, because let's face it, I know it's the letter of the law that it was a penalty. But what I'm ha- what I'm happy about in hearing, though, is that Christina Uncle on the, uh, the CBS uh, Champions League coverage here in America did say that IFAB is going to be reviewing the way that the handball laws interpreted, interpreted in March. And it sounds like, this is now me not paraphrasing her, this is what I'm taking from it, is that drastic changes are going to be coming to the handball rule. Because let's face it, ball hits body. When you're, Kyle, we're, we're humans, right? Like So when we're stretching, there's natural motions that are going to be coming. You, it's very hard to leap into air with your body or leg and not have your arm literally pinned by your side. 
what is the defender supposed to do there? Absolutely nothing. But yet, the way that the rules interpreted that is deemed as handball. So Newcastle, horribly unlucky. Horribly unlucky. PSG should be thanking their lucky stars that they're not in the situation where they have to get a bit of help. They just control their own destiny. Yeah, and it, you know what I thought was uh, interesting about that too is UEFA went and took the VAR official off of the next game he was scheduled to work the next day. So it, it almost that almost read to me like without actually saying it that they weren't particularly happy with that decision to overturn that. I know what the the letter of the law says, but that to me read like UEFA was not particularly happy with them calling the referee over to the monitor and telling him to overturn that decision. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I mean, listen, the the rules of VAR are to only look for the clear and obvious, not re-referee. And frankly, I had this one before with Stu when he and I just did a show a few weeks ago that we've gotten to the point now where it's like the core for American sports referees rely well too much on a video assistant referee as opposed to just letting the flow of the game happen and then oh my god if there's something that's so egregious then we go and have a look as opposed to everyone when immediately something happens put the earmuffs on i want to see this challenge no just get back to basics please but that's obviously us talking about it retrospectively not in the case you feel horrible again for newcastle and PSG, congratulations. You, yeah. you, you got a yeah. gift, but we've seen yeah. plenty of these gifts all across the world yeah. as well. And my, and my, I think with that has always been the referees, you should be trying to get it right on the field, right? We, VAR yeah. should be a tool to assist you, but the goal should be to get it right on the field, not rely on the VAR to make the call for you. I just want to make, say something on uh, Milan real quick before we move on to the, to the final group. And of they kind of remind me of, Chelsea a little bit and not because they have a bunch of former Chelsea players um, in the squad, but they create a lot of chances. If you watch them, them play, uh, but they don't finish enough of them. And then they make killer mistakes in the back. Um, and they're just injury ravaged too, right? Rafa, Rafael Leal, uh, you know, being out ha- hasn't hurt them. They went down another center back uh, in, in the game today. They basically had to put a, a center midfielder in at center back. And that, that didn't work out very well. Um, you know, and and it, and it's tough, right? Yunus Musa was suspended for the game because of yellow card accumulation, and they they had to put on some 18 year old who I'm not sure his teammates even knew what his name was when he when he came on. So they're they're in a tough situation, and um, so I think it's been a disappointing campaign from them, um, you know. Uh, but but because they create a lot of chances, they're just not finishing uh, uh, enough of them, and that is in, in many ways been the the story of the season for Milan. Now they have a chance to salvage it if they can go to Newcastle and win, uh, and, and maybe get some help from from Dortmund. Uh, but yeah, they may they may be out of Europe altogether, um, which wouldn't be which wouldn't be great for our for our little side side bet on our buddy uh, Pulisic getting to forty games, uh, which you know he's healthy again, so so he would have if he stays healthy. You he's you get need 40. him playing. You need him playing European football till April. Yep. It doesn't yep. matter because which one you need him playing. Actually, right. for the bet purposes, you, you want him in the Europa League. Just yeah. saying. Uh, yeah, because they don't have two cup competitions in Italy like they do in uh, uh, in England. Uh, just moving on then to, to Group G, Manchester City 15 points, Leipzig 9 points. They have advanced. There's no, uh, no movement that can go between them. City has won the group. Leipzig is second. 
Young Boys uh, uh, in third to the to the Europa League and uh, Red Star Belgrade eliminated. And then in Group H, uh, which is one I know you what want to talk about, Jay. This is yeah. Barcelona on twelve points in in the lead. They have Barcelona has qualified for the knockout round. Porto and Shakhtar Donetsk both on nine points, and then. Uh, Antwerp, bringing up the rear, no points, minus 12 goal differential. Porto and Shakhtar are going to play each other to determine who finishes second uh, in that group. Yeah, I mean, this it's a what a group this is because there's so many stories to it. First off, it's the Shakhtar story, right? Because they're almost becoming Europeans, uh, the Europe's second favorite team, right? Because they can't play at home. Um, They're playing in Germany. They played in Poland in the past. They get the result against Antwerp, getting a goal in the 12th minute. Fantastic. And then that Porto-Barcelona match was actually quite an entertaining contest because you had um, young, uh, the younger version of Pepe, not not the one that we're all relating to with um, him stamping on heads and whatnot. But Pepe gets the goal for Bar- uh, Porto. But then Jao Cancelo, I mean, what, 90 seconds if that gets one right back. Pedri playing him in beautifully and then... Uh, Cancelo then turns from score to facilitator for Gel Felix. But Porto were a team that were in sensational form coming into that matchup. And I feel like they're actually a little unlucky that they didn't get more from that. Now, granted, they're going to be in the situation where all they have to do is, you know, they take on Shakhtar coming up in on the 13th. So that's the Wednesday. And in that previous match, it was Porto, Porto winning. So all Porto has to do is get in a result, and they're going to be through. But Donetsk, you can bet that everybody in Europe is going to become a Shakhtar fan for at least 90 minutes on that day because it would just be a sensational story to see that club who have had to persevere through so much. They're basically the shining light for the Ukraine to, if at anything, allow the citizens – of that country continually going through this conflict at the moment to just enjoy life for 90 minutes. I mean, we saw the great stories of the Ukrainian national team in their FIFA world cup qualifiers playing in Scotland and Wales and how much joy it brought to that country. It's basically magnified to another degree. I mean, even uh, Dynamo Kiev fans are at some times fans of Shakhtar because, Hey, we have a team that's going against the elite and they're holding more than their own. So, I mean, Journalistic integrity aside, Kyle, I want Shakhtar to win that match so badly. That game is in Portugal, by the way, at the uh, Estadio do Dragão, I think, as they call it. Uh, so that, that, that would be a fascinating yes. one. Uh, let's turn to the uh, Europa League, where uh, you have this this sort of interesting final day coming up. Because in the Europa League, if you win your group, you get that buy where you don't have to play the the third place team from the Champions League that's dropping down in the home and away playoff. So there's certainly an incentive to winning your group. And I just wanted to kind of kind of run down the the position uh some of the Premier League teams are in JJ off the top. West Ham and Brighton are both uh in a situation where they are playing for that top spot in the group. Uh West Ham and Freiburg are level on 12 points apiece and they'll of course play in the uh the final match day and then Brighton is one point behind Marseille, uh, and those two clubs will play uh, in, on the final match day. So some very intriguing in the Europa League as well. Uh, Brighton will have that match against uh, Marseille at home at the Falmer Stadium, I think is it's it's called now, uh, and West Ham well, United. Still, 
Yeah, it, still the Ham, Amex for sponsors. It'll always be the Amex, yeah. West Ham United as well as home uh, to Freiburg uh, at the London Stadium. Yeah, I mean, this Thursday was fascinating in its own right because Brighton getting a Jao Pedro goal uh, from the spot because that's basically what he does for the club, but the club loves him for it against a very game-ache Athens team's West Ham. Boy, did they leave it late. Uh, today, but Tomas Sushek getting a goal right before uh, second half stoppage time against Baka Topola. Um, Rangers, you didn't mention this one. I know we focused mostly on England, but in the United Kingdom, uh, they needed a goal early in the second half from Ross McCausland to spare themselves what could have been an ugly loss at home to Eris Limassol, who are playing well in the Cypriot League, but this is Rangers, a team that not too many years ago were in the final of this competition. Um, Liverpool crews got themselves back on good form uh, after kind of a slip up against Toulouse recently. But yeah, as you rightly said, um, Kyle, we're in a situation right now in the Europa League where if we have drama day in Champions League, boy, do we actually have a lot of drama going in that last day in the Europa League. We should also give a mention as well. Um, to Aston Villa in the Conference League. They are through beating Legia Warsaw by two goals to one their first um, progression in any European competition in a better part of 15 years. And uh, this is more niche, Kyle. Um, doesn't have any relevance to standings or anything like that. But we had the high-vis orange ball sighting today. It was yes. snowing in Finland. HJK nice. versus Aberdeen of Scotland. And um, yeah, we, we had the orange ball out. I mean, that that's culture right there. You love this. I love the orange ball. Love the orange ball. By the way, Unai Emery, the European cup specialist at uh, Aston Villa would not be surprised to see them in the conference league final. Uh, Wouldn't be surprised to see them, them going deep into the transfer window. Wouldn't be surprised. Brighton makes a big move in the transfer window. Premier League, match week 14. Just a quick recap of the standings. Uh, Arsenal, the new leader on 30 points. They've got a one-point lead over Manchester City uh, on 29. Liverpool and Aston Villa, both on 28, tied for third. Liverpool slightly ahead on goal differential. Tottenham on 26 is in fifth. So four points separating the, the top five. And then you get Manchester United in sixth. Newcastle in seventh. Brighton is eighth. Uh, West Ham ninth. And Chelsea on tenth. Uh, 10 through 14 are all separated by just one point. Uh, and if we look at the matches this week, uh, look, Man City, Tottenham. Uh, Tottenham, three losses in a row. They, they were the feel-good story uh, early in the season, JJ. Maybe hit a dose of reality here. Uh, little, little dip in form. But if they want to stay in this race and still fancy themselves a contender, uh, what do they have to do to, to get back on track against the behemoth that is Man City, especially at the Etihad Stadium? Um, cliche, but Pray. literally forget it, forget about everything that has happened in the past couple of weeks and just be who you were back in August and September because when they've been on, they've been brilliant. But when they've not been on, they've been um, not great. And I mean, let's face it, <clears throat> with this Tottenham team, they've got too many players that are going to be shelved for long periods of time. They cannot wait for January to come around so they can replace these players because, I mean, you're looking at um, Perisic out through the rest of the season, Madison, January, March, um, Solomon, February to March, Mickey Van Deven, 
maybe might be back by mid-January. Richarlison out for another month. Uh, Romero still suspended. Sessegnon still dealing with a hammy. That's not great. And I know Man City has De Bruyne and Kovacic out, but that's not not good but hey you know what if they can find a little bit of form and a little bit of the positive mentality that Ange Ball was doing in the early part of the season who knows because we know that City with their high line at times and the way that they press they can be beaten going over the top and being direct so if Sonny can get a few chances in there early who say you but um, yeah I'm projecting Man City probably comfortably in this match yeah, we, we spent a lot of time uh, in the previous uh, episode talking about Everton and the 10-point deduction that it's dealing with. Everton goes to the city ground to play Nottingham Forest this week. Uh, Forest has lost three of the last four. On, they're on 13 points uh, in 15th place. Everton down the 19th on four points with the 10-point deduction. Uh, we're going to get a test of what Everton's psyche is right now in the coming weeks, particularly after that that deduction. But uh, I think if you, you want to be – glass half full and that's probably a hard thing for Everton fans uh to hear right now uh you're still just five points off of 17th and getting out of the drop zone uh, because the, the the bottom of the table has not really separated it's going to be four teams I think slugging it out to, to find out you know who's going to survive out of that group of Luton Sheffield Everton Burnley Bournemouth on 12 could potentially get sucked in Nottingham Forest could get sucked in if uh it it can't you know pick up its form um you know, you know but if but if you're Everton it, it all is not lost but it, it's a big job here for Sean Dyche to try and get this team focused try and get this team uh looking at the task at hand and that is that is just simply survival at this point yeah, I mean, I highlighted it last show that they're in a position right now with a favorable schedule where they have this match against Forest on the weekend. Yeah, Everton on Thursday, or excuse me, uh, Newcastle on Thursday, but then home to Chelsea, away to Burnley. Then after an EFL Cup match against Fulham, away to Tottenham, who have been reeling. So there are points available for Everton, and this is actually one of two you could call it for what it is, but it is a relegation six-pointer because in addition to that match on Saturday, you also have Burnley against Sheffield United. So there is a reality that we might actually see some separation. And if you're Everton right now, this is as good as you can get to try and twist it around after a match where, again, I will stand by this. And by the way, I'm not the only person that believed that they played pretty well because you listen to a lot of talk shows in England and uh, punditry on television People believe that Everton played pretty darn well up until the latter stages against Manchester United. So it, it's right there for them. Yep. Two, the two title contenders also. Uh, here's the matchups. Arsenal uh, at home against Wolves. Liverpool at home against Fulham. Again, those are games that Arsenal and Liverpool are expected to win. But if they don't play well, they could certainly be tripped up by either of those two teams. Uh, Luton goes to Brentford. Luton's Played a little bit better, looked a little bit more frisky of late, not in the drop zone right now in 17th. Uh, and it's a Brentford that's been, you know, struggling a little bit. I thought the loss of Ivan Tony and, and the lack of goals could hurt Brentford. They obviously need to get him back in, in January uh, if they're gonna if they're gonna make sure they, they get that distance that they want from the bottom of the table. Uh we talked a little bit about Newcastle, Manchester United uh during our, our Champions League uh, part of the show. Chelsea and Brighton will play uh, at Stamford Bridge. West Ham, Crystal Palace 
at the London Stadium. And Aston Villa, which is in fourth right now, goes to Bournemouth. JJ, anything from that group stand out to you? Um, I mean, I, I'd love to see. I'm going to go kind of rogue here, but I, I would love to see how West Ham uh, come through after a very sluggish midweek European match. Can they kind of you know rectify a very long travel schedule, come home, look for three points, which again could put them in a great position European-wise, heading closer to that you know festive time of the year. Um, actually looking at what West Ham have coming up, because we should also point out, by the way, that this is going to be one of those three matches in nine-day windows for the Premier League, because there will be a midweek uh, slate coming up next week, so we'll have all that. Uh, West Ham home to Palace, then away to Spurs, away to Fulham. So not a lot of travel during that period of time. Could be a window for them to get points. Uh, so that will be something that's going to be curious for me more than anything else. But yeah, I mean, it, it's all about Brighton right now, right? Um, on good vibes after going to Greece, getting yourself a positive result down there. You know you're going to be playing European football. You have to figure that the ownership is going to be opening up the checkbook coming up in January something tells me that I think Brighton is probably going to carry that good form into Stamford bridge and take three points and Kyle, they're going to do it convincingly. All right. We like that. We like, we like uh, predictions like that where we go out on a limb. Uh, now this is, I know this is your favorite part of the show, JJ, because we're going to the FA cup. The, the second round uh, ties. And nobody knows more about non-league football and the, and the bottom uh, tiers of the football league than JJ. This is this is this is what he lives for. Second round of the the FA Cup. Uh, what what tie are you looking forward to the most? Well, first off, I put this in the group chat a couple of weeks ago, but we had a, a bit of a shock where Barnsley, as in near top of the table, Barnsley in oh, League One yeah. have been ex- had been expelled from the competition uh, after defeating seventh tier Horsham, uh, which is in the south of the country due to the fact that Barnsley had a, a a player that wasn't registered. And what that basically means, long story short, is that the player is on their books, but they forgot to basically register him for the competition. So Barnsley's out, Horsham back in, they get the short drive uh, up to the SW17 to take on Sutton United, which is in uh, just the south, actually not all that far away, Kyle, from uh, your beloved Fulham. FC, probably about a 15 minute drive from Craven Cottage, but a couple of matches to watch out for. You do have still 10 non-league clubs in this 40 clubs still remain. The 20 victors of the 20 matches will head to the third round, which will be just after the new year. Uh, For me, it it starts with Alfreton town against Walsall. Yes. If I botch that one, that's on me, but Alfreton at ninth in the sixth tier, that's National League North going up against Walsall, who have been struggling mightily in League Two. So not all that different between the two sides. Barnett in the National League have been playing pretty well recently. Currently, they're inside the top half of the National League. In fact, they're third right now. So in a great position for playoffs in that league going up against a Newport County side. But um, the the ones that I think a lot of people are going to be watching out for is Wrexham against Yeovil Town. Now, you, you had a lot of fun trying to figure out how to say Yeovil Town. But <laughs> for those that watch Welcome to Wrexham, very recently in one of the last episodes, um, those two teams squared off. Wrexham trying to get themselves to Dormy 
to clinch their spot. This was after the Knotts County match, um, trying to get themselves to basically win and you're in and promoted to League Two. Who did they beat to get there? Yeovil Town. And why was that bad for Yeovil Town? They got relegated that day to the National League South. So Yeovil Town, who are currently sitting top of the National League South, trying to get a little retribution at the race course. And then kind of the uh, the big Cinderella game would be on Monday at Plow Lane as Wimbledon in League Two hosts the lowest team remaining in the competition. That's Ramsgate in the eighth tier. That's going to be a great day out at a lovely stadium that I've been to before. That'll be a lot of fun. That's one of eight different matches that'll be shown here in the U.S. on ESPN+. Yeah, you love a revenge game. I love a good revenge game. Um, uh, my new FA Cup team, by the way, Forest Green Rovers. Oh, so, we'll we'll so you're you're Rovers. Do you know what the Blackpool aren't they like vegan? Isn't that their? Yes, they are in their, fact their, uh, uh, one of the most sustainable clubs in the world. They're the only vegan team in the world. Don't ask me how that has come about but yeah they're one of those teams that punch above their weight uh they're non-league side for a long time but have been in league two now for a, a number of years done fairly well and some barely i think it was either last year or the year before just escaped uh the drop but they are um yeah they're they're, they're vegan so for the vegan folks out there that that's your team in the uh in the west i'm not I'm not, I'm not vegan, but I'm still going with with Forest Green Rovers. That's my new FA Cup team uh, until they lose or until Fulham comes in in the next round. Uh, but um, box to box football, we covered it all: Champions League, Europa League, Premier League, FA Cup. It's a great time to to be a football fan. The festive period is is coming up soon. Uh, we'll have you covered all through that. Thank you for joining us. As always, you know where to to find us: um, Instagram, all that stuff. Twixter, box to box football. Thank you as always. And we will see you next time.